Hello, and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, and this week I'm reminding you how the schedule of the podcast works. Basically, on Tuesdays, I talk about some generic thing, some educational content, letting you know about some fascist concept or about some fascist dictator or about a fascist government that might come up in the rest of the podcast or that you might hear about in the rest of your life. On Thursdays, I come out with a weekly news update about what's been going on on the radical right the world over. Although, because the languages that I speak are English, Spanish, and Portuguese, it's predominantly in the Americas, Western Europe, and a little bit in East Asia and South Asia. If you have ideas about sources, news sources, places that I can go for information about the right wing in Africa, Australia, South Asia, and East Asia, I would highly, highly like you to get in touch with me. I'm at 15minutesoffascism at gmail.com. Without further ado, today I'm going to be talking about the Protocols of the Elders of Zion and the New World Order. These are two deeply related conspiracy theory topics that have to do with anti-Semitism and like right-wing conspiracies about the creation of some anti-US, anti-Western, anti-Christian global conspiracy. The Protocols of the Elders of Zion are an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory text from pre-Soviet Russia. Specifically, they were first published in 1903, that's at least the first confirmed publishing of them, by a far-right Russian group known as the Black Hundreds. The Black Hundreds would later come to be involved in anti-Soviet activity during the Russian Revolution. The Protocols of the Elders of Zion were likely written in 1901 or 1902, and they are a fake document, they're a forgery, that claims to be a real account of Jewish conspiracies to take over all world governments and create one global system. Specifically, it claims to be the minutes of a late 1800s meeting of Jewish leaders, the titular elders, and their plan to have Jewish bankers take over the world economy, to control the world press, and then eventually lead to the destruction of Western civilization itself. These are laid out in the 24 so-called protocols, calling for these and other measures like describing how the transition between current governments and these new governments are going to play out, talking about how they're going to use crime in order to destabilize governments, etc., etc., now, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion are a part of a very long tradition of Christian documents claiming that Jewish people, and sometimes Catholics, like specifically a lot of these traditions relate to people talking about the Knights Hospitalar and the Knights Templar as like elements in Catholicism that are going to subvert it from inside. So it's part of a long tradition of Christian documents claiming that Jewish people, and like I said, sometimes Catholics, who are supposedly creating a massive global system of secret control behind the scenes uh, that's going to suppress freedoms, suppress religion, suppress enlightenment, etc., etc., etc. Now, the protocols, when they were first published, became very popular among the right wing in Russia. This is especially the case at the early part of the 1900s, as Russia experienced its first major uprising by the left, by the group that would eventually become the Bolsheviks and take over the country. The popularity of the protocols then expanded as right-wing reactions to further Bolshevik activity during and after World War I really, really expanded. However, the protocols were not limited in their appeal just to the right wing. One of the things that makes them popular and continue to be popular today is that it doesn't name any names, it barely names any dates, it barely names any place names. Literally, it's just like a generic conspiracy that anybody can read and follow along with, and maybe find themselves agreeing with. 
Additionally, the protocols are an important source of left-wing anti-Semitism as well, because it's not just the right wing in the Western world that has come to believe that, like, Jewish people are creating this conspiracy in order to take over the world. You see this a lot on the left as well. These are people engaging in what the late 19th century German left would call the socialism of fools, aka anti-Semitism. That is, any perspective on capitalism and on socialism and on how the economy works in general that blames a particular group of people as opposed to systemic factors and says that like, oh, well, the problem with how capitalism works is like that it's been corrupted by some internal force. That is not the problem of capitalism. Capitalism just works like this. This is what it does. You know, it exploits people. It destroys communities. It destroys the earth, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't do that because of any group of people. It does that because it does it, right? However, anti-Semitic anti-capitalism believes that like capitalism has been subverted from the inside by like banks or financial organizations, whatever. Like this is something that you hear a lot on the United States left. Uh, a little bit earlier in the 21st century, you heard this a whole lot more than you do now. The Bernie Sanders campaign and the DSA has really raised a different perspective on the left on this one. However, Going back to the early 1900s, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion were first printed in English in the United States in 1918, part of an original anti-left purge in the United States known as the First Red Scare. Now, the First Red Scare linked communism and Judaism into a singular enemy of the right wing and or white people. Notably, the Protocols were often quoted in the right wing newspaper, the Dearborn Independent, which was owned and published by Henry Ford. This I mention because it's important to know that the protocols have come to be a useful tool for a lot of right-wing thinkers and pundits and perspectives, right? By the 1920s, it was known that the protocols were a forgery. Like, people did their research. They read the things that the protocols had plagiarized from. It was clear that this was a forged document. However, that didn't stop many right-wingers, and like I said, also many left-wingers, from using them as an example of the existence of a Jewish conspiracy to take over the world. Adolf Hitler himself mentions the protocols in Mein Kampf, although he ceases to mention it pretty much thereafter. Other Nazis did not cease to mention the protocols. The protocols were actually assigned in many German schools and also apparently to some Hitler youth organizations. The point is that the protocols became the face of anti-Semitism prior to World War II. After World War II, the protocols largely became absent from major political conversations, uh, with some notable exceptions, including Abdel Nasser in Egypt. After World War II, the kinds of conspiracies that the protocols manifested, you know, the kinds that they supposedly were about, transitioned. And instead of talking about an international Jewish conspiracy and the protocols, people started to talk about something else. They called it the New World Order. Now, this is not to say that after this time, after World War II, conspiracy theorists stopped being anti-Semitic. They definitely were. It's just that the way that they talked about it changed a little bit. Originally, the phrase the New World Order originated after World War I and World War II as a phrase about how the world was going to change. You know, the world system has changed. A lot of countries are gone. Things are being reorganized, etc., 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 then, during the second Red Scare, which happened after World War II as opposed to after World War I in the United States, the New World Order was developed as a way for the right wing to talk about a conspiracy that was about, you know, how the left, 
who were their allies during World War II. But, you know, now the left is going to be the enemy of the right wing again. You know, there, there's no common enemy in fascism. And so the capitalists and the center are going to turn on the left. And their claim is that the left is trying to create a new world order to sell out the freedoms of the West, that is the United States and the United Kingdom primarily, for some sort of totalitarian Stalinist state that is somehow both communist and also like exploitatively capitalist. Anti-Semitism is weird like that. People just kind of like combine all of the worst things of all of the worst governments and say that A, Jewish people did all of it, and B, that that's what they want for everybody. This is, of course, ridiculous. Uh, there was never any plan by the United States or the Soviet Union to combine the world into one universal world order. However, the scapegoats for this conspiracy abounded in the 1950s and 1960s. The primary target for this kind of conspiratorial thinking was the United Nations, which was, you know, supposed to be a world system of governance. However, of course, Anybody who knows anything about the United Nations knows that that's not at all what it does. Basically, it's just like a deliberative body to try to prevent wars from happening and to develop universal standards about things like labor practices or not torturing people or, you know, not mutilating people, things like that, right? It, it's not a world governance body. Other potential targets for the claim that they're trying to create a new world order were things like any communist party anywhere and like, you know, there's something to that. Like in the 1950s and 60s, many communist parties in the Western world were a little bit more serious than many of them are today about trying to create world communism. However, this conspiracy thinking on the right wing in the United States and also in the rest of the Western world was not really talking about that in a realistic way. Their claim was that secretly within the United States and also within the Soviet Union and within every other government everywhere, there was a there was a secret group of people who were all working together and that suddenly they're going to spring on everybody, you know, like snap like that. And then there will be this, this, you know, world coup that will all happen at the same time. Now, this thinking transformed after the fall of the Soviet Union to no longer be, uh, you know, the enemy is international communism. Although that is back a little bit now that there is a somewhat rise of the left again in the 21st century. Instead, after the Soviet Union, the conspiracy thinking on the right wing in the United States focused on potentially a conspiracy of Muslims, or the Bilderberg Group, or the Trilateral Commission, the latter two being real think tank type meetings that elite people throughout the world attend. The idea is that these people are trying to create the ripe situation for the rise of an antichrist. You know, the 1990s is when we see the real resurgence of this kind of conspiratorial thinking on the right wing in the United States. It's directly connected to the way that people talked about the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, for example. A lot of people also talked about them in antichrist terms including, for example, the John Birch Society, a still-existing right-wing think tank in the United States that promoted a lot of what were originally extremely crazy fringe perspectives in the 1950s and 60s, which are now essentially normal on the right-wing today. In the 1990s and in the 2000s, the conspiracy thinking around the New World Order solidified in the anti-government, anti-federal militia movement. Like I said, especially in the 1990s, the idea was that they needed to organize and train in order to fight this threat and to prevent some takeover by a, you know, like an ill-defined international conspiracy. You know, people would freak out about black helicopters and special ops and stuff like that. 
If you're a fan of the television show King of the Hill, for example, you'll remember that we are introduced to one of the main characters of the show, Dale Gribble, by him talking about a conspiracy about UN helicopters. That's that's them telling you that this character believes in the New World Order conspiracy theory. It's supposed to indicate to you that this guy is right wing, that he probably has a bunch of guns, and that he's pretty crazy, you know, that, that, that he can't be reasoned with. In the 2000s, as we move on from the 1990s, this kind of conspiracy thinking branches off into some things that you probably have heard of since then. Like, for example, the idea that everybody in the Vatican or everybody in the British royal family is, you know, they're all secretly reptilians, right? You know, they're, they're, they're aliens from another planet or another dimension or something, and they're all lizard people, something like that, right? We also see this kind of conspiratorial thinking both lampooned and in some ways like lauded by movies like They Live, which posit that there is secretly, you know, a group of people in the world who are creepy, undead looking things that are secretly telling us subliminally about how to live, right? This kind of conspiratorial thinking is always linked back to the anti-Semitism that I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. Anytime that there's a conspiracy or an idea that there's this secretive group of people who are subverting normal society from the inside and that their goal is to take it over and destroy the good world and that their purpose is to eliminate all of the freedoms and goodwill and everything that you love and know in the world, uh, that they have made some sort of secretive plan, that, that they're working together internationally, that, that what they say is a lie, you know, that they don't actually want what they want, or that people are saying that a, that a prominent businessman is in fact a communist, or if they're saying that a prominent communist party leader is in fact somebody who believes that nobody should have any freedoms at all and that there shouldn't be democracy, anytime that they say something like that, they're engaging in anti-Semitic logic. And it's important to remember that anytime you encounter any of these conspiracy theories. All right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoy the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you listen to this on. If you really like the podcast, check out my Patreon, which is a site where you can pay me to keep doing this. My Patreon is patreon.com slash 15 minutes of fascism. That's 15 minutes of fascism spelled out in all one word. That's also where you can reach me on Gmail, 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at hist of the right. That's H I S T of the right and fascism 15. All right. Thanks very much. And I'll talk to you Thursday.